Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. And every day, we evolve. We adapt. We change. And this is where we talk about it. This is The Clay Young Show. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back to another edition of The Clay Young Show here at podcast225.com, the Apple Podcast app, the iHeart app, great for podcasts, and airing weekends in the Baton Rouge area on Talk 107.3 FM. So, man, it's about to be March. 2020 just seemed like it, it was a car with four flat tires. Couldn't go anywhere fast. And this one is like it's on the Autobahn. It's flying. But look, if that means that these corona numbers keep going down and we can get back to some semblance of post-COVID-19 normalcy, I'm all about it. Anyway, hopefully you're doing well. Thinking about y'all over there in Texas. More thoughts on that in the closing segment of the show. Today we have... An education superstar. His name is Cito Narcisse, Dr. Cito Narcisse. He is the new school superintendent in East Baton Rouge Parish. A dynamic young guy with a focus on helping kids and making a thriving school system the nucleus of a thriving community. His resume is quite impressive. Kennesaw State University in Georgia. Vanderbilt University in Tennessee, Harvard University in Cambridge, the University of Pittsburgh, their business school. And he has a load of experience as both an in-classroom teacher and as an administrator. And he's now in the red stick, hoping to help the kids here achieve their dreams. He's going to be here in the studio shortly to talk with you. And you'll get a chance to learn how he thinks and hear about his vision for the kids in the school district going forward. I'm excited about it. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, he and I've sat and talked before. I have some perspective on his motivation for helping kids, but you will get a chance to hear that. And listen, we're going to talk about everything from the politics of being a school superintendent, the specter of race that hangs over school districts right now, especially school districts in the South, uh, the financial implications to building a school district. You know, the East Baton Rouge Parish school system has a, a, an operating budget of nearly a half a billion dollars, nearly, nearly $500 million. That's a big, big deal. So you need someone in there who, who gets it and who's going to be about the kids. And so you'll get a chance to make up your own mind on him. So quickly, before we get to that on social media, got to give all this stuff out. Facebook, Clay Young, Twitter at Clay Young BR, Instagram, Clay underscore Young BR. And my email address here is Clay at podcast 225.com. And listen, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you're listening on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. That way, anytime there is a new show or new information or something in between our regular shows, you'll get it. While you are there, leave us a rating, positive rating. Come on. I mean, what else would you say? 
And you could also write a review about the show. We appreciate that. And it helps Apple prioritize our show uh, when people are looking for subject matter. In fact, I had a guest who was on the show maybe four years ago who was a business owner here and was being searched on, on social media. Family was trying to say something about him and the show came up and he got a chance to go back and listen. And like I said, this was, well, maybe five years ago he was on. And so we appreciate you getting the word out about what we're doing here. All right. Now let's hit the books, shall we? Podcast225.com. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support, doctor's offices, hospitals, schools, businesses. It doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in a value you of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. It's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. This is the Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Cito Narcisse, who is the new school superintendent here in East Baton Rouge Parish. He has worked in education for some time. He has really a fantastic educational background, everything from the University of Pittsburgh and training at Harvard. He's been around. You've actually spoken at a college graduation, too. I saw that uh, back in 2017. That's right. And now he's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the place with the greatest food on earth, (laughs) as he, I'm sure, will find out. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Oh, man, excited to be here. Just excited to be a part of the community. Um, Just been adjusting. This is now my home, Um, you know, so just really glad to be here. So the the question everybody will ask is, why Baton Rouge? And so I'll give you a chance to start with that one. Why Baton Rouge? Well, I would say first, why not? Okay. I mean, you know, uh, great place to be. It's in the South. Um, you know, it's a place where it has untapped potential. People, it's a great city to live in. I think, you know, when you you look at it from the outside and you look at the city, you're like, wow, this is a place I want to be with my family and those right. things. Um, so I always, my question is, you know, why not be here? Um, I think either school system, the people, the community, I mean, you know, it's Louisiana, right? And, you know, when you think about the weather, the people, the community, I mean, I, for me, it's not, it was a no-brainer. What what to give us your start? Why, let's. I want to introduce people here to you. Let's yeah. talk about you and getting into education. Why did you choose education? 
Yeah, the reality is I got into education in a very like different way. Okay. Um, I started, I went to college in Atlanta. So people don't know, I've been in the South a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in New York and you gotta imagine with braids in my hair, baggy jeans, Timbaland boots, trying to catch the subway in New York. Uh, Might've uh, been a little bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, with during those times they had Walkman. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and I was listening to Run DMC. I right. know, you know, probably giving a little bit of my age. Right, but, right. Uh, uh, went to college in Atlanta because my father, um, my father got a career technical education, mm-hmm. and he saw um, they went. He went on his first thing called a conference. Okay. Uh, and when he went on a conference, he left the New York and went to a place called Atlanta, Georgia, and he saw a lot of black men in suits. Yeah. And when he saw the, all these black guys in suits, he calls my mother. This is my mother's version. He called mm-hmm. her called her at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and uh, said, "Hey, I saw all these black men in suits." And my mother hung up the phone on him. <laughs> At first, after she figured out that uh, um, <laughs> it wasn't a prank call right, or something, right. Right? or or he wasn't something happened to him right, because they right. were, you know, they have never really been that far from each other right. by themselves. And uh, then he calls. I guess they call back the next morning, and she just after, after she made sure he was okay, right? But you know, just talked about hey, you see all these black men in suits, and my father believed what you see is what you become, mm-hmm. and it, it reminded them of Haiti, as you know, Haiti right. is a. Um, is a black nation right. where you know you get to see educated folks, but it also has a lot of poverty. Sure. So it just reminded him of back home, and so that's how he ended up saying. He told my mom, "Hey, the boys need to go to college in Atlanta. Just pick a place in Atlanta. At least they'll see themselves." And mm-hmm. that's how I went down there, and then um, I went into um, got into education. Actually, I was in college tutoring some kids at a little program, like an after school program. And as I was working with some middle school kids, I couldn't believe I was. Working with a kid, I think was, I think Rashid was like in the seventh or maybe sixth or seventh grade, and he couldn't read. Mm. It was the craziest thing to me. I mean, like he had this work, and he I don't know maybe like fourth or fifth grade just couldn't read at all, and uh, I was just mad. <laughs> I was like, how can this kid be this far? And he's about to go to high school, and almost had like a fourth or fifth grade reading level. You could tell, and. Uh, I went back, I complained to a professor, her name was Dr. Elaine McAllister. She was at this school called Kennesaw State University. Mm-hmm. And when I went to her office and complained, she said, well, why don't you go teach then? She said, you wanna make a difference? Go teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into teaching that way. Um, when I finished up at uh, Kennesaw State, I then went, got a scholarship at Vanderbilt University mm-hmm. uh, in Nashville and uh, became a teacher and then the rest is history. Went up that way. And so your first years in the classroom, what, what, have, what did you learn? Yeah, at first I learned that I, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, I, you know, my my major was in French because, you know, I spoke French at home, but I had to sure. learn how to read and write and all that stuff. And um, and uh, I got into, as a French teacher, because I wanted to teach about cultures and those things, because as a child, I grew up in a different culture. I spoke mm-hmm. French and Creole at home and learned English actually in school. I'm an English language learner. So that was kind of my approach to it in uh I learned that there, you know, it's a lot of complexities as you work on being a teacher. Um, and I would tell folks, I haven't taught like 10 years. And so I thought like, I feel like I got better maybe like my second or third year. I was just trying to improve every year. And I learned to stick with some seasoned teachers that really mm-hmm. helped me kind of navigate. And uh, I had a, a principal named Dr. Pam Vaden who, I don't know what I did, but she saw that I was in a space where I could kind of lead a little bit. Yeah. And then she gave me an opportunity and that's how I got into leadership. It's interesting when you engage with kids from that side of the equation as an as an educator, right? And you said, you know, learning about what you were doing, but you're looking at your resume, you climbed the ranks. 
to to become someone in leadership at a district level. What does it take for someone to go from in the classroom to that level? Yeah, I wish I could tell you there's a silver bullet and here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just hanging in there. Yeah, I mean, you hang in there. You also take opportunities where they come. I think when you look at my resume, I've moved in a lot of cities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what people don't know is though I moved because there was an opportunity there and I wasn't limited to a city. Um, Some of the mentors that I would taught that kind of influenced my life, they had me think about the whole country as my oasis, Mm -hmm. not as one area, one community. And so as long as I was in an urban space that I was teaching kids or working with kids, I didn't really care whether it was here, Los Angeles, wherever, I was just gonna do that. Uh, Most of the places, if you look on my resume, I was where I went to school and then I taught, or I went, Mm -hmm. got this job, you know, went and got my doctorate and then I worked in that city. And that's how that experience went. Um, and so that's just how I opportunities presented stuff. And then people felt like, Hey, this guy knew what he was doing. So you have any memories, any specific memories of interactions with children when you were in the first few years in the classroom? Yeah. You know, you know, I was a French teacher, so, you know, it was a little bit different sometimes for kids. Cause I used to take kids to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just like my thing. If I take them there, they'll see something different. Right. I always wanted to take them out of just seeing what they saw in the United States and just so they could be exposed. Right. Cause I felt like, um, what influenced me was able to see that the whole world is my oasis. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, if you come from particular communities or you're not exposed, you think it's just that neighborhood. And there's something beyond that neighborhood. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of um, how I went there. And so anyway, you know, so I just loved going there. I mean, just talking to kids and uh, trying to teach them, like, you know, here's some different things. When we right. look at the cultures and the books and those things, that kind of influenced me that way. People don't often talk about the impact of exposure on children families with disposable income can move around it's not and it's not even big cities it's restaurant experiences that's right uh, it's shopping experiences that's right but for kids in poor communities they have nothing to compare where they are to mm-hmm. now here you are as an educator teachers often often seem a little hamstrung by that because i can impact you in the hours I have you, but then you go back to an environment. Can you talk a little bit about those frustrations when you see kids with the potential and if they were in situations that could help them, they could just take off? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, what I mean, I'm going to say something that may sound very controversial. So I saw good. This is kind of what we do here. I'll show you some of the names on that door you just signed. So, you know, when you think about kids that um, do different things, whether they're good things or bad things, I always try to think about like, well, what if we took them in spaces where they were exposed to different ways? Right. They would become so much better. Like, uh, let me give you like a basic thing. This is going to sound controversial, but it's a reality, right? So, I grew up, where I grew up at times, there were kids who did well and didn't do well, right? Mm-hmm. Some kids sold drugs or they did different things. And you would see, like, even though they got in trouble with the law and stuff like that, but I used to say to myself, if this kid was in business, right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, right. you know, he would be like CEO somewhere, right? Because I mean, they have a natural ability to yeah. understand things like distribution and yeah. mass marketing I, and I mean, customer relations. They, I, and, like, we put it all in theory in college yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Like, how do we get them to apply those skills? And the reality is, they had to go down these roads for their own survival, mm-hmm. right? Now, I know it's now they didn't make the greatest choice, sure, right? But it's a survival thing. And when they thought that way, that was just they were just trying to survive. Like, when you talk to them, right? And and even though they probably made the bad choice, but I was just thinking like if they were in school or they were exposed and experienced in a different way, you're talking about a totally different child, right? right? And so like 
I think like the kids need to learn differently that way. And I mean, when I just I just think about my experiences, like how do we influence our children that are coming from different backgrounds or spaces that don't have those common advantages to do that? I mean, you know, you have an advantage just that even you don't have to have a whole lot. But if you got a mom and dad at home, there you or go. If you have certain structures, what we yeah. you know, some of us that have some of those stabilities around them, um, um, sometimes it's uh, we don't think about it because we grew up with it, mm-hmm. but it's not a normal thing for everybody, right? right? And I think that that's the shift, right? So, like, you know, what can we do in schools to make things different is, uh, I think, the big question. If we can figure out, we would be educating even more kids across our country. It's interesting because I know a lot of people who care about public education, and they're they're at a distance from it. Like here in this town, they're you know, I support. The school system want the kids in the school system to win. But I'm also boots on the ground in parts of Baton Rouge that have some challenges going on. And and not everybody does that. The socioeconomic reality that's outside the walls of a school, I mean, it osmosis back in in there. So how do you how do you reconcile those two things? You're trying to build a state of the art model to educate kids and, and give them a chance at options. And then you got these other things out here you can't control. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a hard lift, right? I mean, this, first of all, let me just tell you, say this, right? I think sometimes people think the superintendent has a magic bullet. And the reality right. is superintendents don't have magic bullets. Right. I don't care what anybody tells you. Just like a teacher doesn't have a magic bullet. I may be the superintendent of East Baton Rouge, but it takes a village to kind of move this work. You're going to keep hearing me tell people that all the time. Because right. I'm clear that resources, support, best ideas come mm-hmm. from a collective approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how we move the work. Um, if I'm If I do my job right... And I'm able to maximize our resources and create this collective impact approach, mm-hmm. us as a city to do that. We'll get kids to do well in our sure. city, right? Um, but I think it just takes a, a whole lot of good time and a whole lot of like focus areas on on trying to be clear about what are the things we want to accomplish. Like, and I tell folks, you know, we got to get our kids to have universal pre-K across mm-hmm. the system because, you know, education starts at zero to zero to four. Right? Right. It doesn't start like at kindergarten. But if you don't start educating your child at kindergarten, you're already behind the eight ball. Right. We got to get more kids to read at the third grade level. We got to get more kids to see um, how they transition in the middle middle school. We got to get more kids to to get like. Like um, um, associate's degrees with um, high school degrees by the time they graduate mm-hmm. so they can be eligible for jobs they want or industry certifications like all those those pieces are important and you can only do that if you can build a system where you can maximize the resources the resources are not always just money it's about mm-hmm. things right sure like people want to give internship to kids or if they want to help us to think about how we build curriculums for kids I mean so I think it's just like I you know you asked me why Baton Rouge what was pretty clear to me coming here and talking to a lot of people, there's a lot of people here care about education sure. and they want this thing to be right. And the question I think that um, I'm hopeful that we can solve collectively is how do you maximize the resources of the talent of the people who built this community to help you build the school system, right? Yeah. And that's a totally different construct that's very hard in cities to do, right? So. Yeah, but I think the opportunity to do it is here, as you say. And I, and I, and I, I think that there are players who want to be on the team, they just need someone to teach them an offense. Yeah, that's right. And then they'll sign on to it. That's right. So let's talk about skill set. I mean, a resume says one thing, right? Anybody can read and find out about where you went to school and some of the things that you've done. Let's talk about your your skill set, the formula that makes you who you are and why that formula is right for here right now. 
Yeah. So like, so for me is uh, I tell folks I've learned some good lessons and bad lessons. I just, right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you will never hear me say, Oh, I was just every place I've been, everything was great. No, right. no. I've learned the, the advantage that people have as me as a superintendent is I've worked closely to superintendent. I've been a number two guy. So mm-hmm. I have seen things that have worked really well. And I've also seen, so, seen things that have not worked well. And so I've learned through those lessons because you learn through your failures and you also learn through successes. Right. And I think that those are the things that I bring to the table that really will help our city move kind of forward. And I've also seen where if you particular areas where you focus on success, you can really maximize that in a place. And I think that if we can galvanize people around those particular things, we can kind of move the ball forward. So let's go through a list of things. Let's talk uh, uh, that deal specifically with the system, starting first with principles. I mean, we had a, a period here a few years ago where there was a big push for principal autonomy and letting the principals run their schools you know, separately based upon the staff and the and the, the the constituency of the school. You know, where do you fall on that as a model? Do you agree? Would you change it? What do you think? Yeah, I think everything has to have like guardrails, right? Okay. I think like, you know, my view of the world is we should help to be clear about what quality is. If a school leader does great, let them do their thing, run crazy, right? right? But if they're not doing good, we got to help support with some interventions. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's the flaw in the theory of just, you know, principal does whatever they want is you're assuming that that principal that you've hired, right, okay. knows what they're doing and they're great. And nobody comes out great. They sure. learn over time how to do better. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to provide some support for improvement in those things. And so that's kind of how I think about that. And then staffing, the, the teachers in the classroom. And to be absolutely candid, I don't believe every person who is a teacher ought to be in that job, just like every person who's a police officer or a nurse or a doctor or an engineer, you know, you just it ain't working. And so how do you and, and I want to be I just need to say it because I'm not good at not. How do you isolate the teachers? And I think the vast majority of them are a part of the solution from the minuscule amount that may be a part of the problem. Yeah, so I think people who go into teaching have their best heart, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's amount around professional development and sure. continuous development, right? It's like in all jobs, you over time, you get better. Mm-hmm. And I find that when teachers are struggling um, in classrooms, sometimes it's just they're not trained enough or they haven't had time to reflect on doing better. Or lot, Those are kind of the spaces. And when they get stuck and they struggle, they need support, right? There so uh, one of the things that has been really tough in education is we've talked a lot about high accountability for mm-hmm. folks but we never talk about how high support looks like right so you got to balance that in that work and so systems i've seen where they've created new teacher centers where there's per- continuous professional development all the way throughout their career is great just like any other business right mm-hmm. you you keep getting better and develop those are the areas that have helped to maintain sustainability and retain folks in jobs for a while see you know and your your phd is in edu- educational leadership and I hear you talk and you, you sound so much like a business guy in terms of you take it upon yourself to make certain your people have what they need so that they can win. Yeah. And if they're not winning before you throw them away, you say, OK, what can I do to salvage this, which is different for education. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in a good way, but it's it's different to hear that. Yeah, so I've been influenced a little bit too. So just okay. wanted, so when I, I got I, so um, I went I got a doctorate in education, so we didn't, it didn't mm-hmm. call it a PhD, but it's the same same yeah, thing. Yeah. And uh, so when I was at University of Pittsburgh, where I got my doctorate in education, yeah. I also took uh, like an uh, pseudo MBA certificate classes because I wanted to get the business part. Because right. I learned as you move up, yeah. 
you know, what nobody knows is the higher you go in education, it's almost like a business, right? right? Cause you're right. Sure. like right now we're responsible for X millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You have to think about allocation. nearly a half a billion dollars That's here right. in East Baton Rouge Parish. So you have to think through like how you allocate resources yeah. and all those things. So there's much more than just a classroom, but it's yeah. also thinking at all the levels. I mean, the advantage I think for educators is that I've been an educator. So therefore I can think through what it means to be in a classroom, being a principal, those things, and how I can help support that work. And so, you know, those are some some additional experiences I think I bring to the table that have really helped me in my thinking around the work. You know, we sat in a meeting a few weeks ago and and you talked about some of your ideas and one of which you referenced earlier, we'll come back to about associate's degrees when kids graduate and you have an optimism about you, which is a, it's more of a can do spirit, but it's not Pollyanna. It's like, no, we have to do this work and we can do this work. So motivating your team, how do you keep your team tied to the vision and motivated because it's worthy, but people are people. You get tired, you get exhausted going yeah, uphill. Yeah. How do you do that? So for me, you got to make them a part of the process. Um, I've learned like you just got to make them a part of the process, walk them through about where you're trying to get to, and then mm-hmm. you know let them run in places that they should be running, and then you just keep working through together collectively, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty clear about the markers um, as we learn about where our gaps are, right? But I think also like what are our markers that we got to get kids to move forward? Like I'm clear that we got to get kids to read at a third grade level, mm-hmm. um, at least a grade level or higher. Right? So, How are you going to accomplish that? So I think we build off the universal pre-K work. We make sure that we have curriculum. Uh, the district adopted a tier one curriculum a couple, uh, about maybe 24 months ago, I think, before yeah. I got here. And we got to make sure that we are not only doing that to fidelity, but we're supporting teachers in the classroom to do some professional development on helping us think through strategies. I mean, we've, we've created a teacher council, the first mm-hmm. time it's ever happened, where I'm taking two teachers from every single school in the city that'll be a part of this council to help us think about implementation, support, structures, mm-hmm. systems, and those things to help us think through the, the problem and how we solve it. You know, the, and I was in a group again in, in one of the meetings and everybody in there was so excited about the energy and the direction and things that you talked about. You talked, you, you just talked extensively about kids being able to read here in the last decade stem has been a big part of the dialogue concerning k-12 through education and there have been a lot of partners getting involved what's your position on that and where will that go under your under your watch yeah super excited about stem I, when i was in nashville we used to call it steam we did put it all across all the middle schools right <laughs> okay. so because uh, you know you can't forget the arts <laughs> right 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 but, uh, so i'm super excited about it. my question is like when i think about the current jobs in baton rouge that fall under the STEM space, how do we make an alignment for when a child goes from cradle all the way up to their college or career? Mm-hmm. What's the pathway we can do that? And how do we do that for them getting an associate's degree? So that's man, that's pretty good. It's almost like I set you up for that, you know? The talking about a kid graduating from an East Baton Rouge Parish high school with not only a high school diploma, but also an associate's that's degree right. that's halfway through the work in a four-year institution, depending on what they're doing, or it's a technical degree that they can go right to work that's with. That's right. Talk about that. Yeah, so I'm convinced that if we can be able to create pathways, one where kids can get a high school degree and an associate's degree and pathways around STEM, or when you think about the work that we do around construction or project management, or if a child wants to go to liberal arts college mm-hmm. approach, I think like you're setting them up one to Fantastic. become a first generation, right? If, yeah. they, if, they, if they have to check off yeah. that box, yeah. they could go right into work if they choose to do that. Or heck, they can go into like advanced degrees, right? So, which would mean we'd have to work with mm-hmm. our universities in a different way because we're bringing a much sure. more qualified sure. child to you. But man, that that's a generational change. Mm-hmm. That is 
an economic change. That's a community safety change. That's a health and you know social welfare change. I mean, that across the board, if you have more productive people in an area, there are smaller percentages of the negative things. That's correct. That's correct. And economic viability becomes a totally different game. I mean, when people, I tell folks, whether you have children in the school system or not, it impacts you. Sure. And so the economic viability of our cities based on the children of the city. One thing I've learned in living in a whole lot of cities is mm-hmm. most of the kids that grow up in the cities that they're from, they tend to stay in those cities. Yeah. This whole notion of, oh, well, our city's going to have a bunch of people from all over the place. If you look at the core people that are living in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. they went to school here, grew up here. Want to be home. They want to be back home, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a normal human thing. And so the question for us is how do we build that with the current jobs that are that we need to fill right now? And what's the jobs coming in the next 10 years? Because we're also a growing city, right? So we sure. got to be able to build that pipeline. Race. Mm-hmm. Part of so many things. And it's now in this thing with politics. And that often pops up. Yeah. The majority of the children in East Baton Rouge Parish who are in most need of the help are children who look like you and me, African-American kids. Yeah. And they are a priority because they need the help, not to the exclusion of anyone else. Yeah. But that's a that's a part of this. How do you navigate that? Because there are strong passions on both sides. And even people who agree with you, their style may sometimes make your 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 journey a little bit more difficult. How do you how do you manage that? I think you know, like everybody else, you've got to see where they fit into the overall picture and trying to help them overcome, right? Yeah. Um, we used to say, you know, don't let uh, don't let your circumstances determine your altitude, right? Right. And so you have to really kind of sit through and think about what are those experiences. Kids who come from much more struggling homes and backgrounds or challenges, right? Sure. They have to get more social, emotional resources, support than And others. that's any child. It's fact, right? That's a reality, right? And yeah. so based on what your context is, where you come from, or how you're coming, you, got, you just need more. And you can't debate about that. Right. right? In some communities, you just got to help support more. And you also got to think about their education differently. Mm-hmm. They may also need more experiences for uh, doing on um, hands-on job mm-hmm. to be able to kind of learn something versus it might never just be a textbook. So yeah. just kind of working through those things. You know, uh, this is this is a pod, an audio podcast, so people you know don't know, but you know, Alex is in the room, is going to be working with you with the school system. Hey, Allie. And and one of the things that the school system has has not had is a brand. Now, some people will jump right to negative, a bad brand. You know, I'm a realist. I don't really believe that. I don't think people know, right? If people really get to know what you are and it still sucks, that's a bad brand. When people get to know who you really are and they find all these good things they didn't know about, that means that you've got some opportunities there. So tell us about the brand of the EBR school system you hope to convey to not just the city, but the region. Yeah, we've been already thinking about like, you know, how do we service our whole city? I mean, um, uh, we're actually looking at uh, releasing a new brand <laughs> coming out. We were just having that conversation on my way over here. You know, I think it's important for uh, the children and the families of this community. That for us, it's it's about every single community, every child, and every classroom every day. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's how we think about this work. All of our supports is around that. All of our structures around that. All of our all of our resources around that. And also our engagement with our community, knowing that we are part of the community, trying to help them move that work. And so that's that's how I think about that. I think that there are. So- so many things that go on that the public doesn't know know about. And look, man, you got a job right now where you're you're battling social media and misinformation 
and and it's like it about the what, what's the old saying that a lie travels three times around the sun before the truth gets up in the morning and it's just that's kind of the way it is but i think you do have the skill set and the energy i mean i've look if you're ever in the room with the guy and watch the energy it's good so how do you plan to what's your plan to get out and let people see you i know that you're doing it already and i'm privy to some of this but tell people listening what you're doing yeah so we have a we're engaging a lot of stakeholders i mean i have a principal advisory group there's a teacher council we have a superintendent advisory group where we have different stakeholders from parents community members that are on that group talking to we have a, a parent advisory group coming up that we're doing and all these things are happening monthly um, and going to be in conversation with faith-based leaders where I'm trying sure. to get all of them in a room to have one conversation how to support we're engaging with our university partners and so mm-hmm. to me that's how we're trying to do that we're also in connecting with the mayor's office yep and all these different groups to help us to do that because like you know like I said before it takes a village to move this work um, you know and I think that once we're to do that we're going to have we have a strategic plan that's coming out with with goals and how do we move those things and so that's been how my my uh, approach has been um there shouldn't be no space in baton rouge that does not know what east baton rouge children are going to be doing and Mm -hmm. don't know where they fit in a part of the overall scheme of the work so for people wondering because i know you have to have this because you're a doer your your top three challenges going in right now the things that you say one two and three got to get this done this is the toughest thing you're telling your team we got to do this right now you've talked about reading and all that but tell me the top three yeah top three right now is um i mean first we have a one is to uh we're getting a transition report which is about to come um in by march 4th mm-hmm. where the public will know about what we need to do in terms of organizing ourselves strategic plan uh working with the board on that that's mm-hmm. going to be happening uh, i think june 18th is our final deadline around that which will have, also have a facilities plan connected to that and also start talking about a budget that'll be on on during that month of June. And then last but not least, to design our curriculum, getting it ready to support teachers and principals as we start looking about what's our structure moving forward as we build towards getting kids to get um, high school and associate degrees. I've been here a long time and I often notice that the conversations about the kids and what's happening with the kids starts with the kids and then meanders into another direction and never gets back to the kids. And it's just grown folks having an argument, uh, argument about things. How will you make certain that the children stay priority one through five before we get to everything else? Yeah, well, I tell folks, you know, right now we don't have a clear goals and plans, and that's what the strategic plan will do. Once we have those key performance indicators, Mm -hmm. so when you come and talk to me, I'm talking to you about that. Right. So now... You know, no matter where where you are in the spectrum, we're going to have more of a concrete conversation around how we're helping to move kids around student achievement. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what's the missing element, I would say, right now. And that's why you have a lot of conversations, but not, they're not very concrete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you need from the community? What do you need from the public? Yeah, I just think that it's important that the public knows, right? I think continue to get feedback, ask questions. Um, once they get the messaging, tell people in your community, tell people in your neighborhood, tell people in the grocery stores, Here, here's what's going on. And I mean, our job is to push out the information, yeah. be involved, right? I think that one of the things that's very tough in, 
in school systems like East Baton Rouge is that sometimes people have a lot of comment about what it needs to happen, but they're not involved, right? And so there you go. We got to figure out, like, let's get to a space where we're not talking about what the symptoms are, but let's talk about what the solutions are. And we can only do that collectively as we start moving the marker for our kids. He's always like this. Just, I, man, I like optimists. I like people, and and I don't, I think it's necessary to build something. If you don't believe in the vision, how do you get other people to believe in it? That's right. But these kids are worth it, man. Oh, without we have forty one thousand reasons. Forty one thousand. Forty one thousand reasons. Hey, that sounds like an ad campaign right there. <laughs> forty one thousand reasons. I like that. So, where can people find uh, about out about the school system, Alex? Uh, you know, she's in the room right here. Yeah, Alex, you know, come on up. Come on, look, look, look. You grab that mic right there. That one right standing up right there, and just tell everybody where they can find out. Sure. So, um, of course, we'd love for everyone to follow us on all of our social media channels. Um, you can find us at EBR Schools on Facebook. Follow us on on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're happy to have you there, and um, and engage with us there yeah. and of course you can always head to um, our website where you can find us at um, ebrschools.org um, you're not going to have Cito doing a TikTok are you? <laughs> I don't think a TikTok but you can certainly find him on Twitter as well I'm not um, the best give him a follow <laughs> well listen anytime and every time you want to come here and talk and get I mean people use podcasts in such a cool way the feedback I get from pe- people who are not here who want to keep up with Baton Rouge and email me or tweet me or whatever about it. And it's been fun to engage, but man, anytime you want to come here and talk, you know, you got it. I'm already in with you. So, you know, <laughs> well, you know. well, I will, I will definitely take it. I think, I think there's a lot of things coming down the pike that I love to come back and share. And, uh, and even if they ever get a chance where we get some live questions, I'm all open to that. Too. So I got something coming in the, in the next few weeks that, um, that, I, that you can be a part of that. I can't let the cat out of the bag on it here, but Yes, that's something that we could definitely be able to do. All right, let's do it. Dr. Cito Narcisse, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young, exclusively at podcast225.com. Hi, this is Mayor Sharon Weston-Broom inviting you to listen to the We BR Podcast, an initiative of my Women's Advancement Commission. Our show will air the first and third Wednesday of each month. We invite you to listen to our podcast by visiting www.podcast225.com. That's www.podcast225.com and by subscribing through the Apple Podcast app. That's We Be Our Podcast. The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show. Nice right there. Let's let this one run for a while. Could you imagine what George Bell could do with a track like this? And in case you don't know this guy, his name is Citizen Cope. Got me under the gun. Can you receive me somehow? 
So what did you think of Dr. Narcisse? You could feel that optimism and that intellect coming through the speakers, right? It's the real deal. I've been around him a few times now since he's been in Baton Rouge, and he is hardcore about educating these kids and hardcore about moving this district forward. I think he takes it as a challenge to come to a district that has seen better days and be one of the people, one of the catalysts, let's say it that way, behind East Baton Rouge Parish and the Baton Rouge School District really, really taking off. And, you know, I support him. And I think he's bringing a team here that wants to help these kids. And that's the thing. You know, public education has become so political, like like everything else, right? And, you know, somebody who's coming in here just wants to do the job. So I think I think it's very important. So glad to have him here. Every time I've been around him, every time we've talked, it's you know, it's been good. It's encouraging to see that kind of energy and intellect and commitment to these kids. And so kudos to him and I wish him I wish him all the best. So how'd you guys come through on the other side of this weather? You know, we talked last week with Jay Grimes on the back end of the cold weather that the Gulf South has experienced. It is beyond surprising to see Texas get caught like that. Because so often, Texas is out front boasting about how prepared they are when it comes to crises or you know different areas of government you hear it all the time but man i mean the word is out that they were not very far away from having a catastrophic electricity issue going on over there and just it's it's crazy there's still people without power i know people there who are dealing with it here in louisiana i mean we had it so man thoughts and prayers to the people who are over there now Thankfully, it's not like the middle of June when it's 100 degrees in parts of Texas, but still frustrating to be more than a week without electricity, and in some cases, without electricity and water. Crazy. Here in Louisiana, we're all hoping, hoping, fingers crossed, that some of the restrictions are going to be loosened because of the falling coronavirus numbers. Man, that's good. People want to get back to normalcy. You know, I think a lot that we've seen in the way of crime across the country is because of the restrictions keeping people indoors and and keeping people confined to some of these areas where conflict seems to pop up more often than not. And I think loosening restrictions and letting people move around is going to help on on a multi-level area in terms of our communities around the country. Think about it. The economy is going to you'll see a positive uptick because people can get back to work and start serving more people in public public places. And then people can get out and enjoy themselves more, travel a little bit more. I think it could be good for us here. Hey, look, I'm excited about it. Excited about it. I know that more and more people are getting the vaccine. There is also the impact of herd immunity. So 2021 does have the potential to go in a really good direction as the months go by. And my fingers are crossed here and I'm hoping that that is indeed the case. All right. Well, thank you for joining us and listening to our conversation, my conversation with Dr. Cito Narcisse, the new superintendent of East Baton Rouge Parish Schools. 
and he gave you all the ways you can follow him and his team and what they're doing at the school district. We'll get him back in the future once everything is up and off the ground. But uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and thank you so much for checking out The Clay Young Show here at podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.